Welcome to the Pad the Stats podcast, your destination for everything fantasy football and where fantasy title hopes come true. And now your host, James Swanson. Good evening, everybody. It's Sunday night, and as promised, we have our 2018 breakouts episode, or not breakouts, sorry, 2018 sleepers episode. Still in the break. Well, some of these guys are breakouts, actually. They're but they're, they're a little bit deeper down in terms of ADP, where they're being drafted. Guys that, again, like I mentioned on my teaser video the other day, that we're, a lot of people aren't thinking about these players. So we're going to help you identify who those players are. First, though, we are going to get into a little segment called, and I couldn't think of a better name for this, but um, just me being unimaginative, I guess. But we're going to call it "Who Are You Drafting?" So we're going to base a couple guys in the later, mid to late rounds. We're going to look at round six and round seven tonight, and I'm going to give Pat a couple guys, uh, you know, a couple guys to look at and let him know. You're kind of, you know, ask him, you know, who is he going to draft between these two guys? And they're not necessarily from the same position group, but based on ADP, they're very close. And then we'll get into the league news and notes. And then finally, like I said, we'll get into our 2018 sleepers. I have a handful of guys, and Pat has a handful of guys. And speaking of Pat, good evening, Pat. How are you doing tonight, buddy? Well, it's been a hectic week, but I'm good tonight. Good tonight. Good to be just kind of hanging out and chilling this weekend. Good, man. Are you re- ready to get into this thing? Oh, yeah. And dude, every, more, every day I wake up and get a little more excited about the football season. I mean, we were just talking about me coming back and it'll be football season it's, man it's right around the corner it's hard to believe yeah um did you have a chance to watch any of the hall of fame game no i watched the second half you know i i only got home from the gym for the after the first half and then the second half i kind of just watched lamar jackson look absolutely terrible <laughs> but i was uh, just gonna ask you what were your thoughts on him he didn't i don't think he looked very good man he's quick you know he did not make any many good choices mm-hmm yeah, uh, hey, he's a rookie though. It's a rookie in his first game, but again, those are guys that are going to be bagging groceries at Kro- Kroger's here in the next two weeks. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, we're not expecting him to uh, start at all this season unless Joe Flacco is not really bad, good. which we've you know seen him be really bad the past few years. Um, we've heard that he's been a lot more motivated this off season. He's actually working with his receivers for the first time off site. What a bomb. It, yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, the guy got paid in 2011 after that run and then just said, you know what? See you later. I got paid time to ride off into the sunset and never try to win again. Pretty much. I mean, that's how it's pretty much yeah. how it seems. Yeah. Ravens got screwed on that deal. Yeah, and then you know, I was really—I actually really liked Lamar Jackson. I honestly was coming to terms with the Steelers drafting him just because that was the hype going up into the draft. And mm-hmm. I was—I always looked at this guy like, well, hey, if he can sit behind a good quarterback where he's got and there's no position controversy for two years, I think he could be good because man, he's dynamic. But he needs to learn how to play in an NFL system and not just to run around in backyard system. Yeah, I think he has a long way to go personally. All right, so our first segment, let's jump into this thing. As I mentioned, who are you drafting? So we're going to look at round six and round seven. And taking a look at round six, Pat, right off the bat here, two guys that both receivers who are very close to each other. And I've actually, when I've been looking at mock drafts, I've come across these two guys a lot. And they seem to, I always seem to struggle between one or the other because one I think has maybe a safer floor. The other one I believe has more upside. 
those two players, Corey Davis or Michael Crabtree. So I want to ask you, which one of those guys would you rather have on your team or which one would you prefer drafting? You know, that's honestly very team dependent. You put it really well. It's kind of one guy has a really safe floor. Another guy has, you know, upside of top 10 wide receiver in Corey Davis. I think Michael Crabtree, honestly, could come in and be like a Bolden where he puts up pretty good numbers in that Ravens offense just because really there's nobody else there. So they're going to need to throw it to somebody, and they can't just throw it to the tight end all the time. So I think Michael Crabtree could have a good year again. He's always been that kind of steady Eddie, you know, gets you your points and, and calls it a day. But last year he, meh, towards the end of the season he wasn't doing it. But I think he can have a decent year. But Corey Davis, man, this guy is a stud. Mm-hmm. You know, if I have a team that I draft some pretty safe guys off the bat and I need that that pop on my team, Corey Davis would be the guy. But if I was like somebody, I got Jared Kennan or something right off the bat, maybe I want a little bit safer of a, a wide receiver too. You know, Jared, Michael Crabtree would be my guy. I think if I think a good strategy would be if you went like in the first four rounds, if you got two running backs and two receivers and you felt pretty good about those players, then once you got to maybe the fifth or sixth round, I think – I think Corey Davis would be a good option be because, great. Great because you, you can you can kind of lean on that really high upside. If you like, let's say the first two rounds, you you take you go running back, running back, for example, and then you take Aaron Rodgers, and then maybe maybe you go receiver, but you you really want kind of a safe number two option. I think Michael Crabtree could be that guy. Who yep. Pat? I mean, I don't know what your opinion is on him in terms of like you know, an outlook or projections for this season. But I think he's a guy who could easily catch eight touchdown passes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a touchdown. He's a touchdown maker. And that's what he did in Oakland. That's why he was always kind of really he'd either get you, you know, like five or six catches or he'd catch touchdown. Sometimes he'd even get those three touchdown games and just go crazy. But, you know, he's a guy that he works well in the end zone. And that's what he does. You know, he's a big body receiver, just goes up and gets it. And is that soft target over the middle for, or not a soft target over the middle, but like a good go-to option for a quarterback. Right. Yep. I know, I know what you're talking about. And we've already heard that Flacco and him have developed a very good connection in camp so far. So hopefully that will go in, you know, lead into the regular season. I expect Michael Crabtree to have a pretty good season for them. They added Willie Sneed. They added John Brown, but I think Crabtree is probably going to be, like you said, maybe that Anquan Bolden type of guy who Steve Smith type of receiver. They're not the same receivers, but in terms of their relationship with Joe Flacco, he could be that a similar, uh, a similar yeah, target. They've had a good history of bringing in older guys. That, and, like, you know, you got to remember Bolden, Steve Smith, these guys came in older, balled out with the Ravens for two years, and could be yep. the same thing Michael Crabtree does. Yep, yep, yep. I agree. Okay. Looking at round seven, here's two running backs I have for you, Rex Burkhead or Tevin Coleman. And I know you have always been a Coleman guy, Pat, and I, I've come around to him much more uh, in the past year or so. But with the with the Michelle, Sony Michelle news, and we'll get into that, I think Rex Burkhead's ADP is going to get pushed up more and his value is going to go up much more as well. He has He has been listed as the top running back on the Patriots depth chart as of right now. Take that for what it's worth. It's still early in camp and it's the Patriots. But which one of those guys would you rather have? I think I would go Burkhead here. You know, Coleman's, a, a, it's kind of more of a Davis Crabtree type thing. Burkhead has a ton of upside like Davis and Coleman's that guy that's going to get you your points like Crabtree. But I just think Burkhead in that offense could have such a like stable 
not stable, but a, uh, he could have so much opportunity for production there, especially with Sony Michelle already showing that he's still having those fumble issues and he's got this injury popping up, which they already said he had bad knees coming out of college. So he kind of scares me as much as I want to love him. I have him on my dynasty squad. So hearing that he went down was hurt a lot, but, uh, I, I had Burkhead on my squad last year and he did wonders for me towards the end of the season. So I am definitely a fan of both these guys right now. I'd go Burkhead though. Okay, but I, I, before the Michelle news, would you have went? I probably would have went Coleman, went honestly. Okay, I like Coleman's ability. Burkhead, I was really high on Michelle, so I thought he was going to push Burkhead down a bit. And Coleman's that guy that always has kind of got his, you know, he always got his his uh, his carries and targets. So mm-hmm. yep. he's been pretty good. And whenever and he gives you that added benefit of being a top, like a top ten RB one whenever. Freeman goes down, which he usually does at some point in the, in the uh, season. Right, exactly. So just a couple more notes on these guys uh, for both players, really, but but Burkhead especially, can he stay healthy? He's only played in, in 10 games. He only played in 10 games last season, um, but he averaged 13 points per game in PPR league. So you know that when he's there and they're giving him touches, especially inside the red zone, we know how efficient the Patriots offense can be. It's been reported that he will also get the first crack at goal line duties. So he's a guy that, look, um, he's efficient with his touches. He's in an efficient offense, and it looks like he's going to get the opportunity. So in turn, in PPR leagues, this guy has a real, real shot at returning RB2 value. Right now, I would look at him more as a very, very high-end flex play, but RB2 is, uh, I Agreed. think, cer- certainly in reach form. If if he's your if you're a guy that went you know got a tight end early drafted a lot of wide receivers off the bat he can be your if he's your worst you know are like if you have if you drafted three wide receivers off the bat and he's like your second running back he's a good a good guy to have there right both right. these guys are honestly and talking about draft strategy I don't want to uh, get away too much from this because we have a lot to get to with league news and notes but really quickly so. I've been doing, you know, a ton of mock drafts, and and really, if I've gone wide receiver heavy at the top of my draft, and if you're somebody that likes to get some of those wide receivers at the top of the draft, if you if you want to get Antonio Brown and then Mike Evans, and maybe in the fourth round you turn around and you get somebody like Jarvis Landry, and and say in the third round you take Aaron Rodgers, well, you might think, okay, I'm out of luck, and I need to shoot, I'm screwed, right? Well. In the 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth rounds, there's if you're in a PPR league especially, now in a standard league, I, I, strategy changes completely. And you're, I would very recommend, uh, very highly recommend you, you know, get those running backs early. But in a PPR league, you can get Ty Montgomery, you can get Gio Bernard, you can get Duke Johnson, you can get Tariq Cohen. Some of these guys that are going later, uh, Naeem Hines, guys that are going to have real value. I mean, Duke Johnson was easily a, a, a running back too. Of a very good running back. He was back RB too. eleven last year. In yeah, the PPR. He, right, exactly. So that that's, that's just your play. he is. So for our listeners out there, look, just something to think about. If you're in a PPR league, you can get value late. Now, look, I'm never gonna dis. I'm never going to, um, you know, discourage somebody. You know, you want to go out, you want to get a top running back. If you want to go Le'Veon Bell, then Jordan Howard. Maybe that's a scenario where you know, go ahead and do that. But if you are somebody who's going to get those top receivers in a PPR league, if you want to load up on three receivers in the first four or five rounds, just don't be too scared yet. Don't don't push the panic button because I'm just saying there are some options later on that, that can really save you and give you some depth. All right, 
let's get into the league news and notes. Pat, we had two bits of news come across uh, this evening. I'm going to let you, why don't you take these away? Give us the news on Randall Cobb and Corey Coleman to start off the podcast because we just found out about this within the past uh, probably hour or two. All right, so this Randall Cobb news kind of flew under the radar. I don't know if a lot of people have heard it. He actually got injured at uh, at practice on Thursday, I think it was, maybe Wednesday. He in- injured his ankle, and it, it was the same I exact I think it was ankle. Friday. I think it was Friday, was and it, it was Friday? late. I, it was late in the week. Yeah, either I know way. he missed. Either he, way. He, he got injured, and then he missed a pra- the, the next practice. So, you know, this is something that could be a big thing for Cobb. He's an older guy. He's, he just had surgery on this same exact ankle. In this offseason so this honestly could be big news for this Packers uh, wide receiver we've been you know wondering who's even who's going to be that wide receiver two who's going to be that wide receiver three guys like Geronimo Allison Jamon Moore Equinemius St. Brown and that Valdez Scantling guy I think they drafted three wide receivers late mm-hmm. and yep. uh, we, we this is gonna be a big battle between those guys and uh, I don't know who you really like but I like I've been hearing good things about Jamon Moore and I think he could really break onto the scene here if Cobb is to out for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if Cobb, if the ankle is something serious, then I think Allison and Moore are both relevant. If Cobb is okay, then I think it's either Allison or Moore, probably one of those. I would lean Geronimo Allison as three right now, but I've heard good things about Moore. So it, it there's a, a little bit of, um, well, I should say there's more to happen within the Packers receiving core that we're not sure about. Oh, yeah. This, it's this early just, yet. This just complicates things more, potentially. How about Corey Coleman? What what, yeah. what do we got there? So we've been kind of wondering, you know, the, the the Browns have brought in a lot of wide receivers and just kind of to, to, they're pretty much picking up anybody they can, a wide receiver off the market. I've even heard they're talking to Dez. So mm-hmm. uh, they, they Corey Coleman was kind of the guy that was the man left out. So we were wondering if he was going to get moved. And in fact, he did. He got traded to the Bills for – uh, I think right now the draft pick is unknown, but this really kind of helps him out. I mean, he's not a guy that I really like. I don't think he'll do much there, but, hey, it's better than being, you know, the wide receiver five. Yeah, I mean, is this good? Is this a better situation then for Corey Coleman I mean, than he had in Cleveland? He's going to get on the field now. So yeah. I think it's yeah, that's any way it's going to be better. He's only really got Zay Jones to compete with there. I don't even really know who the other wide receivers are on, in on that team. I can look it up, but I don't think it's anybody really of note. Um, it, so, it, and Zay Jones hasn't even practiced it. He, he's been on the pup. So I think he, he pretty much automatically steps into a wide receiver two role. Yeah. So Zay Jones just got activated, but it just happened. Okay. He just got yeah. activated. It was very so recently. Jeremy Curley, Andre Holmes, Rod Streeter. Okay. So, so that yeah. tells you everything you need to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, I'm not looking it at Corey Coleman in a redraft it. league by no, any he, means. Maybe he, um, he gains a little bit more in a dynasty just because you know he's a name, but yeah, somebody he's still not somebody that I'm expecting a lot of this year. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Sony Michelle looks like we we mentioned him earlier. When we were talking about Rex Burkhead. It looks like he is going to miss some time. It was reported initially that he could miss all the way up until the, the start of the regular season, potentially the beginning of the regular season. Now it looks like it might be just like a 10-day injury from what I'm hearing. So still, I think this clouds things a little bit. It certainly helps Rex Burkett out even more than 
he would I think Rex Burkhead was already in a pretty good position to get to get a good amount of work out of that backfield. I think that only helps him more. But speaking of Sony Michelle Pat, let's focus on him. How does this affect when you're looking at him where you were drafting him? Now currently his ADP is at the end of mid mid to late fifth round, pretty much, and he's going as RB twenty six. He's currently going in front of guys like Royce Freeman, Dion Lewis, Tariq Cohen, Carrion Johnson, Tevin Coleman. So, would you move him behind any of those guys with this news, or are you not? I, I guess are you not worried about it yet? You know, I kind of overreact a little bit and moved him way down my board. He was down at 40 and I moved him back up since, but this does hurt. You know, he's, I have heard he hasn't been doing too well. He's been struggling with fumbling in the, uh, in, uh, in that, uh, in camp and stuff in camp. And this knee injury doesn't help. He's been a guy that, you know, had the problems in college with the bone on bone. I don't think it was anything crazy. I think his, he might've had a bone bruise and, you know, his knee swole, swole, like it got swollen and they just cleared the fluid out of there. That's why he won't be out for very long. It wasn't very, doesn't probably wasn't a very invasive thing. Just kind of thinking what could it, it could have been. Um, but as a rookie, you need all the time in the camp you can get. And just missing any time for a rookie is not good news. You know, if this is a guy like Le'Veon Bell, you know, it'd be concerning, but or like say Joe Mixon, if this happened to Joe Mixon, I hear he's going to be back in 10 days. I wouldn't be that concerned. He's been there. Sure. A guy like Sony Michelle, he needs to learn that offense, and he's not there to do it. So it's just going to put him put him behind the eight ball. It's a really good point, and I mentioned earlier Burkhead has already leapfrogged Michelle on the depth chart, and they've talked about giving Burkhead a majority of the goal line carry. So this doesn't help Michelle's outlook. I wouldn't panic completely if um, if, if you're drafting soon. You know, I, I still think Michelle is going to be a, a fairly big contributor at some point this season. I think he's somebody that you just need to be patient on. Personally, mm-hmm. I just Agreed. think I just think you need to wait on him. Um, you know, be patient. Kind of like, look, we saw this last year. I'm, I'm kind of, I do apologize. I'm kind of stealing this from uh, uh, the CBS guys, Fantasy Football Today, and their podcast. But, but this is very true is the fact that we saw this from Alvin Kamara last year is is people were, you know, drafting him, uh, but they weren't patient with him. But we finally saw it break through. Now, I'm not saying Sony Michelle is going to be Alvin Kamara. Or will he be Joe Mixon? Yeah, that's a good point. Where you waited on him all year, and he's just like, oh, man, next week, dude. Buy low. Buy low. Yeah, buy low. Get him. Get him, dude. He's going to break out one of these games. We just never did. I know me yeah. and you had that problem with him on our combined team last year. Yep. I think we said buy low like 10 straight weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And it never really came, you know, to light for him. So are we um, still buying low? Are we still buying low? <laughs> I still think I'm buying low in a dynasty league yeah. on Joe Mixon right. right now for sure, if I can. Um, but, look, yeah, I think Michelle could be in a position where if you're, if you're patient on him, he's going to be a contributor at some point in the season. We'll see what he does with that workload. We'll see how much they split that. And you can't forget that James White's still there. I mean, Bill Belichick has really used James White a lot in the past. Yeah. A couple years ago, I mean, you know, he scored the game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl, but he also got a lot of work, if I remember correctly, that season. So, uh, you know, he the even Patri- got a lot of work early last year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, the, you know, the Patriots' backfield is just, you know, a revolving door a lot of times. It's really hard to kind of put your finger on it. Uh all right, Pat, a couple of receivers that I want to stack up against Michelle. Are you taking Sony Michelle or Marvin Jones? 
easily Marvin Jones. I probably would have taken Marvin Jones before Sony Michelle, even before this game. Okay, how about a couple teammates, Sony Michelle or Chris Hogan? That one is hard. Beforehand, I would have probably taken Sony. I would have definitely taken Sony beforehand. Now it's closer. Probably would take Chris Hogan though. Yeah, I think I was I was looking at the ADP. I think Chris Hogan's going one spot ahead of Sony Michelle. And right I think now. that he'll. I think Sony will continue to drop as yeah. this, like people kind of react and then he'll recover a little bit. But um, yeah. So so before before he was probably more of a fifth round pick. Do you think he's more of a mid sixth round pick at this point? Maybe. Yeah, that sounds all right. Uh, how so? Where would you rather have Sony Michelle or Rashad Penny at this point? I think that's a good one to compare. <sighs> That is a that's a really good one. Um, I don't, you know what? That's a that's a really tough one. I still I think I'm gonna lean Sony Michelle. I agree. I agree. I just I li- I liked Sony Michelle better just the start of the season, you know, mm-hmm. just when I was researching these guys for the draft. So I'm just gonna stick with Sony. Yeah, better offense, much much better offense too. So I agree. All right, more news and notes. Sounds like Josh Gordon is getting closer to returning to the Browns. Pat, if you're drafting right now, are you wor- more worried about Doug Baldwin or Josh Gordon's status for week one? Uh, Probably Baldwin, but I'd still draft him over Josh Gordon. Mm-hmm. Are they close in your rankings? Nope. I have four- Baldwin at 14 and Josh Gordon at 25. 25. Oh, my. Okay. Yeah, I, just moved, I just moved Cooks above him. Actually, if Josh Gordon plays 16 games this year, does he go over a thousand yards? Yes. Okay. Yes. If he plays 16 games, does he score eight plus touchdowns? You know, he probably does. Okay. So why are you, why do you have him at 25? I don't like, I don't know, man. (laughs) I I do not trust that offense. I'm worried about him relapsing and, and this still isn't a good sign for me. You know, if he can't even handle his anxiety now, like how is he supposed to do it during the during the football season? Nah, it's fair. I totally agree, understand that and partially agree with that. I'm hopeful for him. I still have him. I'm not moving him down quite yet. As we get a little bit more into August, I might. But right now, I'm staying pat. Okay, looking at the Dolphins' depth chart, it currently looks it currently lists Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake as co-starters. Drake is going currently in the middle of the fourth round, 4.06. Gore is going in the 13th round. So uh, we kind of just talked about this a little. Well, we compared uh, Michelle and Penny, but I want to ask you, Pat, out of these four guys, and these are kind of the guys that we've we've heard a lot about in terms of maybe a shared backfield, Kenyon Drake, Rashad Penny, Sony Michelle, and Marlon Mack. Which one of those guys are you most concerned about right now, or which one would you like to avoid entirely? All right, that's pretty easy for me, actually. Uh, Mac is probably the guy I'm the most concerned about. I honestly don't even know if he'll win that backfield eventually. You know, if these all guys, you could ask that. I think Drake is going to have his role. I don't think he's going to be a complete bust where he's not going to see the field. I think he'll have his role, but Gore could really eat into that workload. And where he's going, I don't think it'll be worth it. Um, Penny... He probably, you know, I like his ability. He'll probably beat Carson out at some point. But, I mean, unless Carson, you know, just turned into goddamn uh, the, Hulk, the like Hulk Hogan over the offseason. <laughs> but I think Penny will probably beat him out eventually. Just might take a little bit. Same with Sony Michelle. He'll at least have a role at some point. Mac, I could see ha- not getting one at all. So, 
he's the guy that concerns me the most. Okay. I figured you'd say that. I'd probably agree. But probably agree Gore, Gore could be – he honestly deserves to be on this episode. I think he's a guy that really could just – that old guy that gets to just some – He'll he'll be a good bye week fill in type of thing, you know, bottom of your off kind of guy just to have case. Yeah, but. he might be part of our sleepers segment. Yeah, we we'll have to stay tuned for that. Coming up, stay Sweet. tuned. Okay, um, let's see here. Where am I at? It has been reported that Marquise Goodwin remains the 49ers' number one receiver. So, we are taking him over Pierre Garcon, right? At this point, uh, what it's do you hard. think? It's hard. It's hard. I, I think know, I am. Now. I didn't want to let that go. I just, I actually just did it. I actually moved Garcon down below uh, Goodwin. You know, I actually, you know, even earlier in the year, I had him up as high as 27, I think, Pierre Garcon. So I was quick to, even though I like Marquise Town, I have Marquise Goodwin and actually traded you, uh, Pierre Garcon, earlier in the season in the in Dynasty. Yep. And I really, and I liked Marquise Goodwin better long term, but. I think it is time to move uh, Goodwin up above Garcon. Okay. Do you think Garcon's floor is still safer? or Probably. Probably. Okay. All right, yeah. So current ADP on Garcon, and this is just recently. I think this will change a bit. He's going mid to late seventh round, and Goodwin's going exactly around later, pretty much mid to late eighth round. So they're I don't know, fair. Man. I, don't know if, I don't know if that'll change or not. Garcon's kind of the guy that people know. Goodwin could remain a kind of uh, under the radar kind of guy for a while, even after, you know, especially in those drafts where you don't. Even after this news, though. Don't even after people. this news. Oh, I mean, for those drafts where people don't really follow, you know, follow the uh, follow the news as much. You're in, in your office league, you know. Marquis Goodwin be a good guy you could steal. Whereas when if you're if you're drafting with your buddies who've been playing for the last ten years, and Goodwin's a guy they're gonna know about. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Antonio Brown left training camp with a quad strain. He should be fine. Nothing to worry about there quite yet. John Gruden says that Mark Davis Bryant needs to start playing better. So who's the better late-round flyer, Mark Davis Bryant or Josh Doxson? I would go with Doxson. I mean, he's not smoking the weed, so he could at least uh, play the whole season if he actually decides to stay healthy for once. Yeah. Plus, he's. I, mean, I feel like he's got a bet. He's probably the best wide Like, I don't know if he's the best wide receiver on that on that uh that team but me and you were just talking earlier about bad wide receiving cores this is one of them as well you know who's there who gets kicked out of the league I mean, crowder f- who gets kicked out of the league first josh gordon or martavis bryant bryant <laughs> okay i'm hoping they no i i don't want either of them too but go, i honestly hope they they smoke a blunt and blow it in goodell's face and go <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Johnny Manziel picks him up in a Chevy and drives him <laughs> to the Canada. Just go ball out in the, in the CFL. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. All right. The Patriots signed Eric Decker. Titans signed Jonathan. Or no, t- Titans didn't sign Jonathan Cyprian. He tore his ACL. He's going to be out for the year. And they signed Kenny okay. Kenny Vaccaro. Um, Texans rookie. Kiki Kute will be sidelined a few weeks with a hamstring injury, and Quincy Inunua will be sidelined one to two weeks with a thumb injury. And You know, it's crazy that Drake just wrote a song about Kiki. Yeah, I know. That is crazy. And everybody thinks it's like, you know, some girl that Drake loves, but it's yeah. actually about Kiki Kute, the wide receiver for the Texans. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best part. <laughs> I it's very little known fact. Do you think Drake's talking about, like, his favorite sleepers in that song, or... I think he could be. This could be a, you know, 
if you listen to Drake's songs, he actually is all about fantasy football. Right. He's very embedded. Yeah. Embedded, now, uh, people like you and I, we knew that already because we're invested. Well, yeah. But the average fan might not have known that yet. So that's just another little tidbit. <laughs> we should get him on the pod, honestly. These are the types of services that we offer on Pad of the Stats. Uh, insight to rap lyrics and their tie to fantasy football, especially Drake. All right, Pat, let's do our 2018 sleepers. Do you want to kick this thing off or do you want me to? Uh, let's start with you. Okay, my number one sleeper, we just talked about him, Marquise Goodwin. Okay, as I, I while I do think his ADP is going to go up some, I just mentioned it is at 8.08. So he's going mid to late, uh, eighth round, and... Look, I, I did. I also just mentioned that he's already been listed as the 49er, 49ers number one receiver. He's currently being drafted as wide receiver 39. Now, let's take a look at his time with Jimmy Garoppolo last year. In four of the six games together, uh, this is what Marquise Goodwin averaged over those six, over four of those six games 10 targets, seven receptions, and 99 yards per game. Seven catches for 99 yards a game, that, that's awesome. I don't know if he can sustain that over a 16-game pace, but look, he had over nine points per game over the final six weeks, averaged that. That would have been just crunching the numbers, looking at over at over a 16-game pace. That's 144.5 points over the season, and he would have finished as wide receiver 15 and non-PPR. Look, I don't know if he can do that, but I certainly think he has so much upside and I, I really think he's he's a good bet to be a wide receiver 25. So the fact that he's being drafted as wide receiver 39, look, you can re, you can steal this guy in, you know, the eighth round right now, I, I think that's a steal. Now, if his ADP starts to creep up in the seventh round, I might not be considering him quite as, you know, you know quite as much of his sleeper at this point. But the fact that you can get him maybe even in, in the late eighth round, I think that's just awesome. Look, the guy is a deep ball threat. He got 13 passes of 20 or more yards last season. Seven of those came with Garoppolo over the final six games, which would have put him on pace for 19 receptions of 20 yards or more over the course of a 16-game schedule. That would have put him in the top, I believe, five or six in terms of guys who caught passes of 20 or more yards. 17.2 yards per reception. And look, this guy ran a 4-2-5 during his combine in 2013. We just saw him absolutely burn Richard Sherman the other day on a deep route down the sideline in practice. This guy can absolutely fly. He's built a, a rapport with Jimmy Garoppolo already. That was evident last season. The sky's the limit for him. The Bills completely misused him at you know in his time in Buffalo. And, and he's finally found a home here in San Francisco, people. This guy is going to be... Really, he is going to be awesome. I'm telling you, you got to get Marquise Goodwin on your team this year. You can draft him as a wide receiver three, and he's going to return wide receiver two value, no question about it. Um, again, like I mentioned, my takeaways from all of this is, is top 25 upside is, is certainly there. He's a guy that can go over 1,000 yards with just 60 receptions, and he's capable of you know seven or eight touchdowns just with that speed alone. He's pro- he, he really has the ability to catch maybe five or six touchdowns just on on deep balls, on his ability to take the top off the secondary. So again, draft him with, I, I can't stress this enough, you're going to be able to get him as more of a flex play. That's what maybe people are viewing him as right now, but he's going to return wide receiver two value. 
All right, Pat, are you convinced on Marquise Goodwin? Have I have I sold you? You already took him over Pierre Garçon. I, but. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's been my guy for a while. I like where he's climbing to, and I like what he could I be. just can't believe he's being drafted as the 39th wide receiver. It's hard to believe, man. And the guy that I'm about to talk about here is actually going the same spot as he is, 808. It's a, it's a guy that, honestly, it's funny that we were talking about Corey Davis and Michael Crabtree here, because this is the Michael Crabtree to Marquise Goodwin's Corey Davis. It's Cooper Cup. Mm. He was actually, you know, the crazy thing, man, is he uh, is the highest graded rookie wide receiver by Pro Football Focus last year, even better than Juju Smith-Schuster. Smith-Schuster. <laughs> he's, uh, this guy, you know, he's right now, he's the 38th wide receiver off the board. He's 808, and experts have him as the 36th best wide receiver so you know all right around the same spot i have him as my he's my 28th ranked receiver and last year he ended the season as the 25th best receiver in the league i think he can beat that honestly he's a very very physical guy he was actually the best rated press coverage wide receiver in the league i didn't know that that's awesome yeah i just looked that up man he's he's a he's always a big guy he's like six he's six one he's not you know huge but he's a he's a a bigger guy i think he's a guy that's going to get you pretty consistent points you know after the bye last year he caught five passes in at least six out of his nine games he had 23 total red zone targets last year 23 that was third in the league yeah that's good that's that's amazing he turned that into 13 receptions for five touchdowns. And can you? And it's hard to, for me to believe that a guy on the Rams got 23 red zone targets. Especially you know, with, with Todd Gurley. With, with Gurley there, exactly is what I'm saying, man. Like, with Gurley there, I you'd think that they would just, you know, give him the rock every time they get in there. But they'll throw it at Cooper Cup. And, you know, they did just get Brandon Cooks in there. But I think Cooks is more the guy that's going to eat into Robert Woods' share than, you know, Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup's a guy that, He's, he was lined up in the slot for 55% of the snaps for the Rams where they had a slot receiver. He was in there for over half of the time that they had a slot. So he's a guy that is going to line up out of the slot. That's not Cooks' thing. Cooks is kind of an outside guy like Woods is. So I think um, Cooper Cup is you know not going to be as affected by Cooks being so, there. So Pat, let me this, ask you this, this in terms of Jared Goff's favorite targets or who he's going to target the most this season. Rank those three guys in order, Cooks, Woods, and Cup. I think if you're talking about targets, it's going to be Cup, Wo- Cup, Cooks, Woods. Wow. You really think so? I think it's going to be I think Cup I think Cup's going to be one of those guys he's going to be the the go-to guy on those you know, you need a you need a conversion. You need a catch. Cup's going to be the guy that's going to get those get those targets. Where Cooks is going to be a guy that's just you know, once a game, twice a game is going to get that ninety, you know, fifty yard receive reception for a mind blowing touchdown. I think regardless, I think that Cooks is going to be the number two receiver there. But I have it different. I have it reversed than you. I actually have it Woods, then Cooks, and then Cup. But I think they're all good fantasy options. Yeah, I would go cup. I would draft. I actually am drafting. I just moved Cooks up into my top 25, but Cup's right there at 28, 29. And honestly, I wouldn't so, be surprised if I ended up moving him up. And I'm bit. with you on this, but but for our listeners, you know, why are we drafting Brandon Cooks so much higher if we think that if we think that you know potentially he's not even going to be the the, the top targeted receiver in that offense. What makes us like Brandon Cook so much? Is it just his his 
the athleticism and, and kind of the pedigree and what he's done? Or do we think that he has the ability to maybe stretch the field more and, and I don't know, maybe score more touchdowns? Like, why are we drafting yeah. Brandon Cooks higher than the other two? I think the reason that people are drafting Cooks higher and even the why I have Cooks higher is he gives you that game-breaking ability. Cooks will win you a week. He'll, he'll, he'll be that one that gets, you know, 150 yards, two touchdowns, you know, just give – he has a great game, and then he also catches a long, deep pass for a touchdown, you know. So uh, he's going to be a guy that can win you your week where Cup is going to be the a guy that keeps your team afloat. You know, he's going to be the guy that just gets to the points. You got other guys in the roster that are, are there to win you weeks. Cup's going to be the guy that puts your team over the top. Yeah. All right. Um. Okay, anything else on Cooper Cup that you wanted to mention? No, I think uh, I think that was pretty good. Okay, on to, I'll do my second guy here. And I'm going to stick with the receiver group. And I'm going to go with Nelson Aguilar. Look, Nelson Aguilar, career high in receptions last year. 62 catches, career high in yards, 768, and career high in touchdowns. And this is the big one, eight touchdowns. I think he has a really good chance to, to replicate that this season. The, the touchdown numbers. Look, Alshon Jeffrey is already on the pup list. Carson Wentz clearly found a connection with, excuse me, Nelson Aguilar last season. I think that's going to continue this year. He's currently being drafted as wide receiver 44, but he finished as wide receiver 22 in both formats last season. So why can't he replicate that? Well, I think he can. He saw 18 red zone targets last season. So clearly Wentz loves him inside the 20. And I just mentioned it with Alshon Jeffrey starting the season on the pup. He has a chance to build even a better connection with Wentz going into this season. So, look, I think he, much like Marquise Goodwin, I think he has a very good chance of returning top 25 value again this season. And I think he actually has a chance to have better numbers in terms of receptions and yards than he did a year ago. We know this guy's a playmaker going back to his days at USC, where I think he caught 14 touchdowns in his senior season. And... Right now, like I said, he's going in the 10th round. He's actually going a couple rounds behind Marquise Goodwin, and I've been looking to get him in the 8th or the ninth round. I, w- I would more be more comfortable with him in the ninth because I don't think people are going to take him any earlier than that right now, but I, would, I wouldn't be opposed to taking him in the 8th round as long as, you know, I think your draft dictates that a little bit. But uh, yeah, at, at early 10th round, I think this guy is an absolute steal. So, uh, yeah, fire up Nelson Aguilar. Go get him where you can. And I think you're going to get a guy who, again, probably gets you eight, seven, eight touchdown catches and has a really nice wide receiver two season. Pat, did you want to add anything to that or do you want to give us your second player? You know, I completely agree with you there on Nelson Aguilar. I actually have him ranked right behind your other guy, Marquise Goodwin. So I like them, you know, honestly, both of his eight round picks. They Nelson Aguilar could honestly say this could be a really big offense. And if Alshon Jeffrey can't get right, he could honestly have a huge season. So that's good points. I like I like what you're saying there. And we both like Carson Wentz a lot. Oh, we yeah. think he's going to be great again. He's another he's another guy that we think that is going a little too late. But uh, yeah. Who do you have as your number two player? My number two player actually is a guy that you can get right around Aguilar. Again, good matchups uh, is Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin, you know, this is a guy kind of going out on a limb a little bit here. He's the only wide receiver in Buffalo. And I know it's not a great argument. There is some guy we never heard of could emerge because, you know, nobody else is there. But Benjamin, he's a guy that he doesn't have 
speed. He's not going to get away from wide receivers, but he is freakishly big. Away from wide receivers? This guy is like, he's gonna... as we were talking about earlier, he's like Cal Drogo out there, man. He's just bigger than anybody. He can just out-muscle you. Yeah. He's like Shaq and a sumo wrestler combined, dude. He's just going to he's gonna just get in front of you and just out-muscle you. Well, and you. plus if they put wide receivers against him as defensive backs, that he's going to have a good chance, right? Like you just said. I don't yeah, know. You, no, sure. you know, I'm just making fun of you because you just said he's going to run away from other wide receivers. <laughs> well, he'll, he's not going to run away from wide receivers. He's probably actually, he probably can barely run away from mine. <laughs> right. But, <laughs> right. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, sorry. I just had to throw but that in. This guy is huge. He could, he could catch a lot of touchdowns on offense. And that, you got to think that the, the bills weren't that bad last year. What's to say that, but that one of these two quarterbacks is not better than Tyrod Taylor. And then Kelvin Benjamin can catch, you know, they get up there and Kelvin Benjamin like just jumps up there and gets 10 touchdowns. I mean, probably won't get 10, but you know, he could score a good amount of touchdowns and who else is there? Corey Coleman, Zay Jones, Zay Jones just runs naked down hallways and he can't even get on the field right now. <laughs> Corey Coleman just never done anything. You mean you could say that he's just because he's never had any good quarterbacks and now he's got the best quarterback in his career. Kind of sad to say, but to me, Kelvin Benjamin's a guy that don't forget about him. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd much rather have a guy like Nelson Aguilar, Marquise Goodwin, but he's just a guy, you know, late in drafts, you're looking for somebody with a good amount of upside. Kelvin Benjamin could be your guy. Yeah. Okay. I I like it too. And I think where he's going right now, it's a great, yeah. it's, it's a great he's, option. He's going as the, uh, he's going to the 10th round, eighth pick. So, you know, late 10th, he's uh, the 48th receiver off the board. I've got him at about 40 you know, as a 40th rank. So a good guy, a good little bit of value there. Yeah. And if you want to take him as like your fourth wide receiver, I mean, literally like it's a, it's a win-win situation, I think, because mm-hmm. you, you, you have a guy whose upside is probably, yeah, I think it's still top 25 just based on the oh, touch, yeah. just based on the touchdowns that he can catch because who else, like you said, who else is going to do it? They still have Charles Clay, Zay Jones, but, but like you mentioned, even though you said that's not a great reason, just to say he's the only one there, but I think it is a good reason. Personally, I think that that just means, hey, when they're in the red zone, which, hey, it's the Bills, they might not be in the red zone that much this year, but he's going to be the guy that they're probably looking for. Okay, my third guy, I'm going to switch it up from wide receivers and go with a running back going in the 11th round, right at the top of the 11th round, 11.01, and that's Gio Bernard. I am blown away that Giro Bernard is going this late. This is a guy who, in his first four seasons in the league, he was a top 30 running back in all of these those seasons. In, well, in terms of fantasy points per game, and in just in terms of uh, throughout the entire season, he was a top 25 running back in, in multiple seasons. Look, outside of last season, last season was a down year for him. He averaged just 9.5 points per game in PPR and 9 touches per game. That's the first time in his five-year career that he's been under 10 in both of those numbers, in points per game and touches per game. So, you know, outside of last season, he's averaged at least 11 fantasy points per game every season. I know the carries weren't there last year. He only had 105. Most other seasons, he was north of 140, 150. Now, we know that Joe Mixon is expected to take a huge workload there, but I think that Joe Mixon, or I'm sorry, I think that Gio Bernard's carries bump up a little bit from last year from that 105 mark. I think he gets more to around the 125, 130 at least. 
you know, I still think that Mixon is a guy that isn't going to be your typical bell cow, you know, especially in that Bengals offense, excuse me, where they're probably not going to run a ton of plays as an offense from scrimmages total. I think Mixon's more of a guy who's going to have around 220, 230 total carries. But I think Bernard is a guy who can, again, 130 carries, 125 carries is not out of the question. He's And he's had at least, I believe it's at least 40 catches in all but one season. So, and that season was, I think, 2016 when he only played in 10 games. I'll have to double-check those stats. But I know he's been over 40 catches in every season but one. So, look, I just think that, in especially in a PPR league, okay, you're looking at a guy who's a perennial top 30 running back. I don't see any reason why he can't get there again. Over the last five seasons, over his first five seasons in the league, I should say, only 918 total touches in 71 games. That's only 13 touches per game. Last year, he was at that nine mark. So if we can get him up again to that 12 to 13 touches per game range, that would be great and would help his fantasy production. But my point is here, my the bigger point that I'm making is he should still be fresh. Even going into year six, Gio Bernard should still be fairly fresh. I just wanted to compare him to a guy who went in that same class, Le'Veon Bell, 1,541 touches in five seasons. And that's in 62 games. So nine less games, and Bell has nearly, you know, over 600 more care or 600 more total touches. You know, so my point is you have a, you still have a fresh guy in Gio Bernard, or at least you should. And as long as he can get back up to 12 to 13 carries per game, you're getting a running back in the 11th round who is going to be a top 30 running back. He's going as RB 47 right now. So just keep that in mind. It's another guy, as I mentioned before, if you've gone running receiver heavy in the top of the draft, you can get a decent, a pretty good flex play, I think, in Gio Bernard uh, very, very late. So, Pat, do you want to take it away with your final guy? And then we have some honorable mention players we would like to uh, put out there as well. One thing I want to say about Gio is if you're in a dynasty league, he's actually a really good guy to have on your team because he'll be a free agent next year. He'll be a guy that gets in this, this uh, Jarek McKinnon type hype. Maybe not there, but you know, he could he could be a really big uh, contributor to team, especially next year. Yeah. And yeah. And that's, that's kind of the, the touches go into that too, into that argument. And the fact that he's going to only be, I think he's only 26 still because his rookie season, he was 21. So he came into the league young, and, you know, he's a guy with that amount of work on his legs or that, you know, th- that, you know, the low numbers, he could probably play into his early 30s at a pretty high level, I think. So, uh, yeah, fire up Gio Bernard. Again, I would be happy with taking him in the 10th round. He's going in the 11th, but you're probably going to get yourself a really, really nice flex play, a very strong flex play at that point. All right, Pat, take it away with your final guy, and then like I, I said, we will talk about honorable mention players after that. All right, I'm going to go with another kind of not as much forgotten man, but another a guy that people are kind of overlooking here is Duke Johnson. Could I, If I could tell you that you get the 11th-ranked RB from last year in the 8th round, how would you feel about that? I'm Fantastic. I would be jumping I mean, for joy. I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good about that too. Right now he's going as in the eleventh pick of the eighth round, actually. Fortieth running back off the board. 
Experts have him higher at 31. I have him a bit higher than that at 29, but this is a guy you should not forget about. I know that there's a lot of people in that offense, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of running backs, but Duke Johnson is honestly one of the shiftiest guys in the league. There's a reason that they signed him to a big deal, even while bringing in Carlos Hyde and drafting Nick Chubb. This guy, over the past, what, five years, has a missed tackle rate of 25%, 26%. Now, that's saying that a quarter of guys that come to tackle him, he makes them miss. That's freaking crazy. This guy is is a electric man. He is. He's a playmaker. The Duke. The Duke, the Duke is a playmaker. Uh huh. He's and you know what? Another crazy thing. He's never in his career had less than seventy four targets. Yeah. Five hundred receiving yards. This guy gets his share. He's gonna get his share. I know that you know Carlos Hyde is there, and he's a guy who can catch passes out of the backfield, and I do like him this year. And I know Nick Chubb is there, but he's not going to compete for targets. Do and they have a lot of wide receivers. Right, I was going to ask could, you could uh, bring down his target share a little bit because he did line up in the slot a lot last year. Yeah, does Jarvis so, Landry or David Njoku their workload worry you does, at all? I mean, Njoku was there last year, so I don't think that's a really big argument. Njoku but I think be, his he's going to be better. He's going to be better and get a little bit more of, of a workload. Yeah, I was going to say he but, probably gets more targets. And Jarvis Landry. Yes, he is a guy that's going to work out of the slot. But I still think that, you know, in four wide receiver sets, they can put him out in the other slot. I still think he's going to get work out there. And he, maybe he won't have – and I don't expect him to return you 11th-ranked RB this year, but he could be 20th, easily be 25th, and you're going to get a value there because he's a guy that's going to catch a lot of passes. He's going to – I mean, you had him last year. Swan, tell us about how you felt owning him. Well, yeah, uh, going into the season, I thought I was getting a, a decent flex play, somebody that I could play and plug and play, uh, you know, based on good matchups. But what I found out was, especially in a 14-man league where it gets thin, particularly at the running back position, that I had an RB2 on my team. And I, he was somebody that I played literally every week. So like Pat said, I don't know if he's going to get up to the top 15 again, uh, top 12, but... Certainly, I'm with you. I'm on board with you to think that he could be another top 20 or 25 running back. Again, and what we've been saying this entire time, man, if you go wide receiver heavy, maybe grab like, you know, wide receiver, wide receiver, running back, wide receiver, and you want to go tight end next, don't be afraid because these guys like Duke Johnson are there to, you know, warm you up and give you give you sweet nothings by the fire slide. <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it. So that's a great point. And the other point is it's not just running backs. It's wide receivers. Oh, wide receivers so we, deep. We like, just, and people usually don't really get too concerned about wide receiver depth late because there's just so many guys there. Right. And we just but we just got done talking about, you know, how deep these you know, these positions are. But if you're playing in a fourteen team league like we do, you know, you're the chances are with one of these running backs or one of these wide receivers in the seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth rounds, you're gonna find a a, a number two in fantasy. One of these guys, or a handful of these guys, are probably going to return number two value at their position. It's just a matter of which one. Um, and, hey, that's what we're here to help you with, though, is, is identifying those players that are going to return value higher than what they're being pegged at currently. And that's what this sleepers segment is all about. So those are our guys, uh, or at least our top guys, that we kind of looked at uh, very closely we also have a list of honorable mentions that we want to get to and we're just going to run through these quick I don't want to get into too much detail with them 
We are coming up, we're over about 51 minutes on the podcast right now. So I'll start with my honorable mention players, Pat, and then I'll ask you for yours. A couple of the guys that I think that you can get in the double-digit rounds, these are rounds actually 12 or later that we're looking at now. Tyler Eifert and David Njoku at the tight end position, I think are great value picks. And in mock drafts, they've been falling to me a ton, and I've been very happy to scoop both of them up. And honestly, a decent scenario for you, I think you can get Trey Burton in the 7th or 8th round. And if you want to have a safer option, not a safer option, but, but take an upside value in the later rounds, both of those guys are great, Njoku and Eifert. Um, quarterback, James Winston, we've talked about him last year as somebody who we thought was maybe a sleeper or a breakout, especially this year with the 14 round, 14th round ADP. The suspension looms over him. He's going to miss the first three games of the season. But once he gets back on a per-game per basis, he's a quarterback who has the potential of scoring 20-plus fantasy points per game for you. Michael Gallup is uh, one of the other guys that I was looking at in the 13th round just because of his opportunity in Dallas. And then Chris Godwin, uh, another guy that I just am very, very high on that I think has an extreme amount of talent. And I think the opportunity will eventually uh, kind of show itself for him in Tampa Bay. It's in his second year now, so I'm expecting big things out of him in year two. Maybe this won't be the year for Chris Godwin. In, you know, in year two, but I think once we get to year three, we're looking at a pretty, pretty dang good wide receiver two on our hands. Pat, do you have some honorable mention guys that you want to, uh, you know, let our audience know about? I do. And in, and some of them kind of uh, mirror you. I, I like Chris Godwin a lot as well. He's a guy that I've followed for a little while and have liked. It's kind of crazy. I'm not much of a Penn Stater, but he's a guy that's think could uh, really ball out this year in uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, I like uh, Anthony Miller a lot. You know, I love this man. He's a, uh, has a lot of uh, potential there in that, in that Chicago offense. I still, I still think he could even push out Robinson for that number one wide receiver role. Kenneth Dixon, another guy who could push for a number one role. I don't like Alan's Collins, Alex Collins as much as the market. And I think that the, this, uh, the staff likes Kenneth, this Kenneth, Ah, Kenneth Dixon. Unfortunately, he's injured right now, so he's not been able to show his stuff, but he's a guy that could really push them, and he's a guy I've, I've liked for a while. Alan Hearns, another guy I really like. Could be another wide receiver one there. John Brown, you know how much Joe Flacco likes to throw that deep ball, and this guy is a burner. He can go I'm down and get it. John Brown. 100% I'm can, with you on him. If he can stay healthy, man, he's got that sickle cell. If he learned to, to uh, manage it, he could do good things in this offense. Jamon Moore, the guy we were talking about, uh, Randall Cobb earlier. Yeah, we just talked about this him earlier. Guy, yeah, a little a rookie. We could he could really show his stuff. Uh, Case Keenum, don't forget about Case Keenum. The me, I mean, you were making fun of Dwayne last year for freaking, for starting Case Keenum over <laughs> a bunch of guys. And man, if he gets run once in a while, this is something he just kind of finds those those waiver gems that nobody ever would think about, and he he gets him he gets him. I don't know how he does it, man, but. Case Keenum is one of those guys, and he's on a better offense this year. Well, not a better offense, a, a still a good offense. And he's going as one of the – he's basically free in drafts, so you can get him easily. Another guy that's free almost, Frank Gore. Talking about him earlier, he'd get a good workload, be like a C.J. Anderson, you know, or a – say you're, you're – uh, Well, he could be what he was – he could be like what he was in Indy. I'm thinking more of like – yeah, I guess same as Indy. I'm thinking more of like what the Panthers are doing with Jonathan Stewart and Chris McCaffrey. That type of role where, like, you know, 
Uh, he spells him for 180 yeah. carries, 190 yeah, carries. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Okay. But I don't see this offense being very good. That's the one. That's the one caveat. Uh, yeah, I would probably. Uh, I uh, probably agree with the that. Weren't that good again either last year. So. Mm, that's that's true. That yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, Frank Gore just keeps going. It's unbelievable. He's like an Iron Man. And um, he just seems to keep churning out like top 25, 30, man, you know, he's seasons. He's like diamonds, man. He gets finer with age. Yeah. Like a, like a good wine. Yep. Gets completely just tears up, you know, ligaments and stuff early in his career. And then somehow is super, super durable. <laughs> Must have. Yeah. Own, he is. It's unbelievable. All right, man. Well, uh, did we miss anything? Did I miss anything? Do we have anything else we want to tell our listeners before we sign off for the night? I just want to tell them I love them, man. Oh, me you too. That's why we're here. That's we love you, you guys. guys. Why we're here. Especially <laughs> you, Dwayne, if you ever would listen to these. He never will, but we love no. you, Dwayne, even though I secretly sometimes hate you, but I love you. <laughs> no, we, uh, we, we just want to, again, thank everybody for your support, for following the show, listening to the show. Subscribe to us, again, on iTunes. You can hear it on Stitcher, Google Play Music, and TuneIn Radio. Follow us. Give us a like on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, you can find us at a bunch of places. So uh, we, we appreciate it. Once again, we are signing off for tonight. I'll have this podcast up hopefully. Oh, actually, I did think of one tomorrow. thing that we could we yeah. can talk about. Oh, it's got to be quick, though. We got We got about... 60 seconds. Uh, never mind. We'll talk about it next time. Okay. All right. Let's get at it next time. All right, everybody. Have a great, great Sunday night. We will talk to you next time on Path of Stats. Bye-bye. <laughs>